the Fan Varsity Sports Network presents the Prep Report, your premier source for the latest news, insight, and information on Northern Indiana high school sports. Starting now. Hello, hello, folks. Welcome to the FanVSN.com Prep Report podcast. Week of Friday, April 3rd. I'm the FanVSN.com editor, Kyle Newman, and I'm here with a special guest host, Bill Beck of the Elkhart Truth. Bill, how you doing? Greetings, man. It's a great day. It is a great. Well, it was a great day. Then it started raining. I don't know if we'll get in those baseball and softball contests tonight. Well, it's 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 April second, and things like these are going to happen. So hopefully, we don't get too many of these here soon. We need to get our game started on time for a while. All right, I'll stay patient with with Mother Nature. Please today, do. Though. You have yeah. to around here. So today on the show, we're going to be talking a little some accolades that both Bill and I uh, won the past week or so. Little little horn tooting on our own part, but also really what these accolades mean, you know, to Northern Indiana and what they say about Northern Indiana. So we'll touch on that. Uh, also Homestead capturing the 4A basketball crown. We'll talk about that. The Michiana McDonald's all-star game. I was out of that. A great, great area contest with uh, all, all the local stars, a who's who of Michiana basketball. That was a great event. And then also we'll, we'll close the show with a brief softball preview Talk some NIC, NLC, NSC teams to look out for as the season gets underway. Again, you can head to thefanvsn.com to check us out and on Twitter at thefanvsn. So, Bill, first I want to send some congratulations your way. Indiana Sports Writers Hall of Fame. Uh, I mean, what were the feelings when you got the, the phone call or whatever to let you know? It was uh, it came by via email and a letter, and when I I was more blown away by the fact that who I was going in with than than me being on the list. I mean, being on the list was humbling, and made me chuckle at the at the time. But then when I went down the list and read on to see who the rest of the induction class in Indiana there is this year, and names like Bob Jenkins of. Uh, of Indiana radio fame for the Indianapolis 500. The guy did yeoman work on ESPN in his infancy days of NASCAR coverage back in the 80s. Um, Jason Whitlock, a nationally known columnist for ESPN.com and other entities. Um, guy named Blake Sebring, who's been who's like me out of Fort Wayne, kind of one of those 30-year guys mm-hmm. who's grounded yeah, grounded out in the work, yeah. yeah did a lot of local work there with the, the preps and the Fort Wayne Comets and and done great work in the in the great river city over there, Fort Wayne. And who am I missing? Mark Morrow. Mark Morrow is a guy that's been around for close to 50 years, done a lot of work with Indianapolis Star. Now he's started his own uh, niche niche sports website in Hamilton County, Mm -hmm. just north of Indianapolis. So these are, in my book, these are top flight, top tier, you know, platinum level journalists that I follow that I would want to read. And when I turn it around the other way, my first thought is they're going to wonder, Who's Bill Beck? You know, who's this guy from Elkhart? What's he done? Uh, why have I heard of his name before? And people around me say, oh, no, don't. You sell yourself short. And I do. That's what we do. We don't. Right. Yeah. Uh, you are humbled by your award, but you're also like, you're not going to run around and say, hey, look what I did. And what 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 my people, my truth, my friends or colleagues were so upset with me about is I've known this for like three months, three and a half months. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so I've, And it, you just broke that news to me, so I'm a little yeah, upset now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm known, <laughs> I've known it for, they, they called me and let me know this like in December, like maybe early wow. December. So, you, wow, so you've just been having to walk around with just, just, with just and you can't tell anyone? Did only, anyone know? Only person that knew is my wife, my son, and Paul Condry. 
Because Kadri's on the committee. Kadri was the one that nominated me and put oh, me nice. on up for nomination and, and probably helped spear that whole and a thing. a legend in his own right. Another, for sure. And his yeah. mind, too. And, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, so, so when it came out and everybody asked me about it, they said, Bill, why didn't you tell us? I said, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to walk in and say, look out, say, look at the sky right outside? Bill's in the Hall of Fame. I just, I, I don't do that. I, this is not me. It's just, I'm very, I'm very self-conscious about that kind of thing. I'm proud of my work, but I, I, I'm also proud of the people that I work with and that work for Absolutely. and uh, Federated Media and the Elkhart Truth. Um, you know, yeah, it's my ward. Okay, great. I, I, I really do appreciate that. But I also think that the people we work with or I work with, uh, guys like Anthony Anderson, Steve Crow, have been right there with me for a lot of those 30 years. Yeah are Hall of Fame type guys and they do Hall of Fame level work in my book and it's more of a accolade to me for the company and the people that I keep so as much as me and it's, you know and what it's, it's also a great reflection shit. of the people that I that I work yeah. that I write about Absolutely. that 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 people around Michiana not just Elkhart County but across the board um, recognize the work that I've done over the years so that's that's very humbling and very I'm very appreciative of that so you'll be inducted April 12th in Greenwood into the Indiana Sports Writers Sportscasters Hall of Fame. Uh, and, I mean, Bill, tell me a little bit, though, uh, as someone who, who covers sports, you know, you see the competitors day in and day out. Uh, you see how they work towards their ultimate goals, whether that be cutting down the nets or whatever it may be. I got to imagine you, en- you envision this at some some points throughout your career. I mean, kind of kind of the, the enshrinement. I mean – you're right. It's it's about the kids that we cover, mm-hmm. the athletes. But but it feels good to have your work validated and, and to say, hey, what you've done has has meant a lot to these communities, and and, and we appreciate. It. When I was out at a softball game this week, and I was just watching. I was there to watch. I wasn't there to work. I was there just to kind of have fun, relax after work. And a and a Jimtown parent came up to me. A father came up to me. He, you know, he came up to me and thanked me. Uh, he said, "I've been reading you since I was a kid." Which is like when I hear things like that, that makes me first of all it makes me feel old, <laughs> but it makes me feel good that people will remember you, that they're not afraid to walk up to you and say that to you. And that's I guess maybe that's part of that's something that the community has helped allow me to do by being able to connect with them so freely and easily that I can go out as you have. You've learned you've done the same thing here the last uh, year and a half or two since you've been in this market that uh, these people are very approachable. Coaches mm-hmm. and athletes are very approachable here, and they like it. I mean, they, of course they should like it, but they're very sincere when you allow them into your world, and I think that's the biggest I think that's to me that's my biggest accomplishment is I've been I have worked hard enough and well enough to be allowed inside yeah. to come in and talk to them and to be around practice and to be around their scrimmages and to walk the sidelines for a football game and be welcomed as opposed to oh there's the guy with the notepad and the paper well, no what's he's, he up to again what's he he's, doing he's peering he's writing things down so what's, and, what's he doing <laughs> so that's nice I, I I like that fact and that's the the you know that's why we love what we do yeah. because we can connect to people and we want to we want to showcase the people uh, it's we write about people playing sports we're not sports writers we're not sports journalists we are journalists who write and do coverage and and write stories and tell stories about people. Yeah. They just happen to be playing sports. Bringing these athletes to life. That's what that's what exactly. I always like to say. Uh, uh, to life off the screen of, of your computer screen, obviously. And, uh, I mean, Fan uh, VSN, they won. We won. I won, should I say. I'm the only guy behind you the site. You are Fan VSN, man. I am Fan VSN, although 
as you said, you know, I couldn't have done it with, with, without the just whole community of, of federated media. I mean, from you to, to regional radio sports network contributing content, uh, Roger Grossman, you know, the Brett Rumps of the radio stations, uh, allowing me to come on shows, talk about things, Tommy Lee of Truth Radio. But yeah, just very proud, very, very proud to announce that they've won the award for excellence in coverage of youth sports. Well, no, I'm going to turn this around. This is your show, okay. and I'm a guest, but I'm going to ask you the question okay. now. Right, I'm going to interview that, you now. That sounds good. Why, I'll just why, sit back over here. When you came here, you were new to this market. You're not from anywhere around here. You are from. You came from Arizona, Colorado. You went to school at Arizona State. Right. So you knew nothing about St. Joe County, Elkhart County, Michiana, uh, the Warsaw, Plymouth area. But what's the one thing that you learned right away about this area? Just these communities live and die for their teams, you know. Uh, it's di- it's different, I think, living in a, in a metro area, a city area, uh, like Denver, like Phoenix, where there's there's a ton of schools. And, yeah, they, they sh- certainly have their own fair share of pride. But when you have these uh, communities interspersed throughout Indiana, northern Indiana specifically, like you do, and there's, you know, that, that one high school in the town or those two high schools in, in the county, in the city sure. – uh, they they are all about these teams. They live and die for those Friday nights, for those tournaments, and, and that's that's what I've just loved. I mean, the passion, the passion of it all, and like you were saying, the approachability. I mean, these people, you know, these ads, these coaches, these administrators, uh, they let me come into their buildings, homemade press pass and all. You know, uh, this this website that no one had heard of, and they let me see their their athletes' strengths and weaknesses. And, and, and write that down and tell their story. And, and it's really been a privilege to do that. Long time ago, a there was a, a basketball coach here in the Goshen area by the name of Mike Sorrell. He had been bounced around Indiana for a long time and, and was a quality head coach and was his last coaching position. And the reason he said he wanted to finish his career, he had a great career in Indiana, he wanted to finish his career in Goshen, and he loved probably Goshen as much as any of his stops in Indiana. And this is a great quote, and I've, I've, I'll always remember this, but he said, when the name of the school is the name of the town, people care a little more. So the, it, when, you go, to, when yeah. you go to the Goshens, when you go to the Warsaws, the Plymouths, um, the Wawaseas where there's one school, uh, Triton, Oregon Davis, the, maybe that's not the name of the town, but that's that area. That's their school. Yeah. That's where they, that's where they, you know, Tippy Valley. There is no place called Tippecanoe Valley, but there's a school there that people rally around, and you saw it in the girls' state finals. How many people showed up to watch Tippy Valley girls play basketball? Yeah. Tons. That's a two A school, really. A two. It's really a two A size school playing the three A level tournament. But it's a small rural community that went nuts over a girls' basketball program. And they had probably the best crowd on that championship Saturday. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now, you expect that from a homestead. Homestead is a major uh, right. edge of Fort Wayne school with a monster size uh, enrollment, and you would think they would have a good fan base. And they probably did on Saturday as well. I'm sure that, that championship game had a great crowd at Evansville, right? But it you, did. It was, it but was you, rocking. But, but even the schools in the cities, like, and we saw it with South Bend Riley, you get a community public school in a bigger city market. People still care about that. Yeah. The passion that you and I saw a few weeks ago within the halls of Riley. And, and all those the other schools coming out. People, yeah. They, yeah, the public schools really cared. Washington showed up at the pep rally. Adams showed right. up at the pep rally. Clay sent people to show. But there was a sense of unity because it was South Bend. Mm-hmm. And when it's just South Bend against the rest of the world, you, you care. Even if you're, you're the competitor and you were the rival two weeks ago. 
You want to see them win now. You yeah. want to see them go to the semi-state and win. And you know, you and I, we we feel bad when those teams lose. We're not there to root. Well, we're not. But but I got to tell you, by by the time we get to the you know climax of the postseason. I'm emotionally attached to these teams, you know, especially the teams that are left standing by the by the regional semi-state round of, of sports. I mean, you you see their runs, you see their ups and downs, and and most of the time, how these teams fight through adversity uh, to accomplish what they need to. I mean, even Homestead, they were a huge favorite all all year, but they had a couple comeback wins, one in the final and one in the regional final to win the title. I mean, it's those sorts of moments you live for as a sports writer, as a sports storyteller. The the day of the boys regional, I was fortunate enough to cover that day. The start of the day in Michigan City and saw Northridge lose to Riley. Northridge had a great run this year, yeah. and to see their fans and their emotion in that loss. And then I drove my butt down to Hartford City to watch uh, Northwood play that night, and they lose on a buzzer beater to Dwanger yeah. at the same. And you know, one game away from the semis, one game away from the final four, they lose on a last second shot. And to see the investment in the fans. A giant fan base of a town like Northwood or Napanee, Wakarusa, the kids, the coaches, you, you, you do. You're right, Kyle. When, when it's down to a handful of schools or one or two schools left, the investment's in us, too. We, we really do because we want to do their best. They're working their butts off. We want to do the same. We want to cover them. We want to take our best pictures. Right. We want get to our, get our best audio, our best video. We want to write, do the best storytelling we can. Because they're laying it out there too, and I've always felt like if they're laying it out there, why shouldn't we? Yeah, there's a it's a certain like pressure I feel almost like when you get to that postseason stage, hey, you got to write a good feature here. I mean, no, there can't be any any off shots here, you know, and because we I feel like we owe it to these kids, these communities, and you know, I think I think that's part of the the sentiment that's that's driven you to this award and, and this the fanvsn.com to to this award as well is that when when you do it for the right reasons and for the coverage of the kids, which is really the most important thing, uh, it pays dividends for sure. And I would, I would, I'll, I'll put in a promotion for you one more time here, but <laughs> if, if you, if, if you haven't spent a lot of time on the site, you should, because you go back over your, your archives and just keep scrolling. It's an endless scroll. You'll find them out yeah. there and your various tabs and various flows. There is a lot, a lot of quality work that what you've done in a different way, in a new modern digital way, which uh, I'm thrilled with. It's it's the way sports is going to be covered from in the future here on out. Um, that's the way it's going to be. It's not going to be a box score business. It's going to mm-hmm. be a people business. And what you did, and why I'm 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 proud of you and happy for you for what you've done and what you did, was you were able to connect so quickly and bring that out, bring that people out, showcase kids, showcase special kids. Not always the stars. It's not always about the stars. No, you find you find that special story about the the the. Fourth kid on the basketball team is maybe not the leading scorer or the lineman on the football team who just grunts it out every week but doesn't get those kind of props. Um, those are the stories people really remember and they really appreciate. Well, I appreciate that, Bill. And, uh, yeah, just uh, very honored to, to accept this award. I'll be heading out to Penn State University on April 20th to accept it. And, again, the award is called the Award for Excellence in Coverage of Youth Sports. Uh, it was created in 2009 to honor – online print or online or print work that displays creative in-depth and innovative coverage of youth and high school sports and especially larger larger issues and trends related to those levels of sport and uh, i mean this this startup website the fanvsn.com is just 18 months old 
And it's now won an award that previous winners include the Boston Globe, the New York Times, uh, the Tampa Bay Times, two Pulitzer winners uh, out of the, the five previous winners. So pretty, pretty amazing company. And I think it says a lot uh, about, you know, just the website and also the communities that the fanbsn.com covers. So head to the fanbsn.com right now to read my thank you, Northern Indiana column. Great piece. Uh, really, yes, where I just talked about. Thank you, that Bill. That was a great piece. I enjoyed yeah, so, reading that. And I, I, I that's... We're, hey, we run with the big dogs, man. We, yeah, and, and you know what? We took down uh, ESPNW and the Pittsburgh Tribune Review as the other finalists among nationwide entries uh, for this award this year. So uh, it definitely says a lot just uh, about the passion. I mean, I just record this stuff. You know, that's that's really my philosophy. I go out, I capture the emotion, I capture the heart, the per- perseverance in photos, in words, and I just put it on the page. I mean, it's the characters that make the story. Every writer knows that. So, again, thank you, Northern Northern Indiana, and you can head to thefanvsn.com for more on that award. Again, this is the fanvsn.com Prep Report Podcast. Just talking about a couple accolades Bill and I received in the past couple weeks. Well, apparently Bill's was... In the last several months, but he's been keeping it close to his vest. <laughs> they just decided to release the information. I mean, I think they sent it to all of us individually, but they think they met, didn't make the memo out till like a week and a half okay. ago. So. Uh, we'll give you a slide, Hall of Famer. <laughs> Thank right? you, sir. Um, so let's move along the show here. Homestead Basketball. And we got a great feature up on the fanvsn.com on Homestead right now called They Didn't Flinch Inside Homestead's Historic Title Run. And, Bill, I, I thought it was just the most appropriate title because I was at this game this past Saturday at Banker's Life, and halfway through the fourth quarter, I, I was like, no, there's, there's no way. This team is toast. They're down, I believe, nine points with 3.20 to go in regulation. Uh, I, I just didn't think there was any way they could come back, especially with how Wrights was shooting the basketball. I mean, they they could score from from downtown at any point they wanted. So I just I wrote them off in my head, honestly, and, and I was I was thinking of story angles. How am I going to kind of sum up this great season that came up just short? And then they stormed back. I mean, a 10-0 run to close the game to push themselves into overtime. Uh, actually, that was in the regional final, a 10-0 run over Carmel. But then they stormed back in the in the state final on Saturday, forced overtime. Eventually won 91-90 in a game that set a dozen new 4A state championship records. This is a definition of a barn burner. Bill. You know what? What you and I and, and people in our business do in those moments, in those like the the middle of the fourth quarter when the game starts looking that way, is we start thinking of what we've always called the uh, "we're proud of our team" story, which our, our the team we're there to cover is going to lose. So right. how are we going to put that quote? I mean, every coach says, well, "I'm so proud of my team." That's like the the, the quote of the ages. Yeah. And um, we all know we coaches are always proud of their team, but. That game was so compelling to me, Kyle, that I wasn't even watching the first half of Kentucky Notre Dame. I kept my television glued what I like to, hear. to to the high school game. I wanted to see how this game was going to play out. Yeah. And I thought early on what I saw of Evansville Rice was this was the perfect basketball team to take on Homestead. You don't want to take on Swanigan directly. You didn't want to take on Bat directly. You wanted to go outside. You had to attack them from the perimeter, and that's what Wrights did. They ran the floor well. They played pretty good defense. They were sized. They were physically bigger 
than I thought they were. They weren't really super tall, but they were physically yeah. strong. They were some solid-looking young men out there for yeah. Evansville who could hang and would not get pushed around inside. Because really, Swanigan wasn't was was very an average game for on Swanigan standards. What sixteen, seventeen points? Um, uh, he he scored 20, thirty, twenty points, fourteen boards, and uh, Taj Curry overtime. led him with twenty three. Oh. But, but yeah, but that is an overtime. But but Mill that second half he'd only had like twelve, fourteen points. He scored late, but early in the game he really wasn't a factor at all. And I saw rights when they got the lead there, as you noted. I thought, okay, so I thought the same thing. Wow, they're they're going to put this thing away, and. You're right. Homestead didn't flinch. And for when they came down, and really in the last minute and a half or so, down seven, and tied that thing, and I can't. I, the diamond Wright's press, played, the full court yeah. diamond press, genius by Chris Johnson to, to draw it up, but then just perfectly executed by by Taj Curry, Jordan Geis, and their guards, causing all sorts of havoc in the half court. I, I mean, think. I think Wrights got caught up in the moment. They I think did. they started thinking too much, like, "Oh, we, we are this close. We can't screw this up." And I, they played, they played the last half that quarter not to lose, as opposed to trying to put the put the hammer down and and punch, you know, punch the accelerator and make it happen. And Homestead took advantage, and really, the overtime was a, just a uh, slugfest. It was just slug, it, it, but it was. But you knew right away Homestead had this. Homestead had all the momentum. They had all the mojo. Wrights knew when they sat down on the bench. I guarantee you, they're all sitting there thinking to themselves, "We just blew this." And they had now the we got to do last, it all over again. Yeah, and they had the ball in the last possession of regulation too, with the chance to get a good look. They didn't really get a good look. And, and I mean, you got to, as much as we're, we're saying Wrights was maybe in their own head, you got to give Homestead credit. Eighteen of twenty-four from the stripe in the game, including ten of fourteen in the fourth and eight of ten in overtime. Uh, that kind of clutch shooting is is what you need for a comeback and to to ice a championship. And uh, I actually caught up with Chris Johnson after the game, who was just just speechless. I mean, uh, obviously, um, in reflecting on his comeback win, the the championship journey that he's gone through in the last twelve months or so, because they went to semi state last year and much more. Listen in. And now the Varsity Sports Network presents BSN Verbatim. That, that comeback, just remarkable to be able to do that in the last couple of minutes. You know, how, and, uh, what's that say about the team? It just says a lot about our kids. You know, it looked very slim to none at the time. I think we were down 10 with, what, four and a half minutes to go. The only thing we could say to them is just keep battling, keep fighting through it. Let's see what happens. Uh, you know, we drew up a little bit of a diamond press, something that we don't really do a lot of. Um, you know, we try to get a lot of our stuff in the half court off of defenses. Uh, you know, their they're, uh, half-court trap's a lot better than what I was expecting when I, uh, you know, when I watched on film, just like what they, the coaches were telling me. They said they're a lot quicker and tougher than what it looks like on film, and they, they, they're not lying. It's tough to get by that 1-2-2 two, two trap, and we turned the ball over. We said in overtime, we've got to get the tip. Well, we got the tip, then we throw it away right away. They come down and score. Uh, but our kids kept on battling, kept battling, and uh, were able to come away with a tough victory tonight. Talk about what this first championship means. It feels fantastic. You know, I, I can't tell you how blessed I've been. My uh, daughter, she, uh, well, we went to the Final Four last year. My daughter gets married. We find out my daughter's pregnant, and I have my first grandchild. Um, so, you know, I'm just very fortunate. I played my brother, who went far in the, uh, the semi-state. We knew there was going to be a Johnson in the state final. Um, you know, I've been uh, I've been blessed, and uh, you know, uh, just a great group of young men. We're gonna miss them. It was kind of sad to know that it's over, 
But I'm going to take about a month off. I'm going to get away from it, and then uh, we'll start back up in May to try to figure out what we need to do for next year. One of, teams, one of those teams that, you know, the clock just finally has to run out. Even you're up seven in overtime, and they just keep coming at they you. They kept coming at I mean, they're just that's a tough team. Uh, great, great players they have. Um, you know, thank goodness they were out of timeouts. Yeah. Who knows what would have happened. Uh, I just said we're not taking the ball out of bounds. And, uh, you know, he goes and they, they kept on hitting big shots. But give our kids credit, we kept hitting big shots. We kept battling. Somehow we, we – I'd have to look at the film. Somehow we went from a down 10 to where we tied it. Um, so, I mean, uh, I'm speechless. I, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, it's going to be a great spring break. We're going to enjoy it and uh, just live this up for a while before uh, we worry about the, the following year. Hey, thanks, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Chris Jordan goes to the bench with four fouls, and you put Taj – at the point, and right. I thought he really started dictating the pace and, and really pulled you out. Taj had a heck of a ball game. Uh, he's, he's a very good player. It uh, baffles me that you know one, he's uh, you know not only second team All Conference, and then he doesn't even get picked in the uh, with the uh, the junior. Uh, I don't know what is that the top 15 or top 100. I don't even know what it is to be honest with you. His name's not even mentioned, and uh, he's he's a big part of this team. Went 29 and two, averaged about 10 a game, six assists a game. You know, we could have averaged a lot more probably if uh, we give him a little bit more. We give him all the freedom they want, but he's very unselfish. Along with all these kids, I mean, they just do what we ask them to do. And uh, you know, it's been a fun year. It's been a fun ride. We thank them because the kids are the ones that have to do it. And, uh, you know, we can draw stuff up, but if they got to make the baskets. And uh, all the credit goes to these guys here. Great assistant coaches. Not only are they very good assistant coaches, but they're my friends. It's always good to be around people that you love. And uh, we're going to celebrate tonight. I know this big push also came right after Dana fouled out. Talk about just kind of that push, that spark. Gave us a push, gave us that spark. Ben Stronic, who struggled in the uh, in the first half, Struggled in the first half and came back and just kept kept battling. I mean, he was he was struggling, and uh, you know the second half he got big steals, big uh, uh, turnovers, where he, uh, deflections, where Taj was able to get some baskets. Great team effort, great team win. Once again, that was Homestead coach Chris Johnson just reflecting on the comeback championship win, and uh, you got to give credit to also some of the unsung heroes on this team too, Bill. I mean, we were talking before the show. It's it's not just the stars, the Caleb Swanigans that get the job done. It's the the Teddy Rays, who's a who's a senior on this homestead team. Uh, I mean, not when, when you look at the box score, he didn't have a lot. He had 11 points, but what he did in terms of hitting a couple clutch threes in that comeback, and then also his his defense, his leadership. These are the guys. These are the types of seniors you need to win a title. You knew Geist and Swan are going to play big, and they had big games. But Taj Curry, I thought Ooh, even the yeah. semi-state game, I thought he is a hard matchup because he's got decent size. He's got great quicks with the basketball. I mean, he really moves smoothly with the basketball. He and Jordan Geist were a great one-two complement as guards. But you're right, Teddy Ray, for just the way, oh, yeah, yeah by the way, we got to have to have five, five starters. This fifth starter is a pretty good basketball player. He was a great a great fit in that lineup at six foot five because yeah. he could handle the ball. 
He could go out and shoot, but he could also get in there, was big enough to get in there and get rebounds, get those extra junk rebounds that nobody else was getting. He cleaned up a lot just because he had decent size, and he's a smart basketball player. I enjoyed watching him play a couple of weeks ago in the semi-state. And yeah, you're right, those kind of plays and kids that play those kind of games make big differences in championship games. And it's cliche, but Homestead made the plays at the end of the game and in overtime, and Wrights just didn't. Yeah, absolutely. And Teddy Ray, he had some interesting things to say in reflecting right after the championship win on Saturday at Banker's Life. Take a listen in. And now, the Varsity Sports Network presents BSN Verbatim. And so tell me a little bit about the comeback. I mean, what was that mindset in the fourth quarter when you guys made that run? Uh, we were calm. I mean, this team has uh, proven throughout the tournament that we're a resilient, uh, resilient bunch. And... Uh, we knew that we'd have our opportunity, and we just took advantage. And some foul trouble tonight, obviously, with bat fouling out. I mean, guys had some. How have you guys worked through that? I mean, you worked through that in the semi-state win, too. Yeah, I mean, we just have a big group of guys coming off the bench. I mean, tonight it was only Ben, but, uh, you know, we just got a group of five guys, six guys that just worked their butt off. And, uh, I mean, with, with absences and fouling out, I mean, we just all come together as one. Is there any doubt in your mind that Caleb is Mr. Basketball? No doubt. He's, he's proven it time and time again. And uh, what do you think this win means? I mean, obviously, it's the first program championship. What does it mean for this team, this community? Oh, it's huge. I mean, uh, it's really special for this school. I mean, it was really fun to see the girls do it first chance. And uh, they, uh, unfortunately, they came up short. But I'm just glad we could bring one back to the community. You're a senior, right? Yep. How does it feel going out like this? I mean, not many seniors get to experience what you're feeling right now. I mean, I'm, I'm at a loss of words, really. Uh, it's a little bittersweet, though. I mean, it's the last time I get to play with these guys. Um, but, I mean, it's just really special. Once again, that was Homestead senior Teddy Ray talking about the Spartans' comeback victory and their resiliency throughout the entire game and really throughout the entire season. I mean, uh, this team had some tests. They they had some games where they had to score 91, for example, to win. Uh, and then they had some games where they had to score in the 40s to win. So as Swanigan was saying afterwards, when, when asked about the pace of the game, they had to play Wright's pace this game, but, but it didn't matter. Homestead came out on top anyway. And that's kind of been the case all season, it seems like. You can play in that half court. You can try and run, but... Homestead will find a way to win. And this team was built for a championship. We know that. I mean, it was it was set up for a championship, and I'm, I'm thrilled that a northern big school finally won this yeah, thing uh, in state championship for boys basketball. So well, it's good. First, first boys hoops title for a 4A Allen County school since 1974. Walter yeah. Jordan and Northrop High School. I remember I was a kid. I was a freshman in high school wow, when that happened. So. Knowledge right now. <laughs> Hall of Famer dropping knowledge, man. We wanted to play Purdue. He was a three-year star at Purdue. So this, this name's from the past. See, that's what we lose in, in class basketball. Because I remember, you can remember, guys like me remember yeah. those great teams because there was only one champion up until the mid-1990s. And, uh, you know, now it's it's a different world. It's It'll it'll be hard for me uh, later next fall to remember who all the four champions. I'll remember Homestead. And I'll likely remember Garen because I, I was, I've been friends with Pete Smith for a long time because he coached up in this area at Penn. At Penn right? And yeah. also coached at Warsaw. I helped with Al Rhodes a long yeah, time and ago, Mike too. Mike Lightfoot uh, coaching tree yep. as well. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. But will I remember that Marquette lost to, to Bar Reeve? Will I remember Bar Reeve? Probably not. It's a lot of champions to you know, remember 
each year. Yes, you know, it's a lot. Sport. Yes. Yeah. So you got to instead of remember, you used to remember maybe the final four and then who was in the championship game. Now you got to remember the final eight because there is no final four. The final four is a week apart. This it's separated now. So all you can really remember is the final eight that got to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something else that we just real quick. But there's been discussion about the double, the double regional round of basketball. We didn't really talk about this much, but. I think there's going to be discussion also, too. That some people don't like the one-game semi-state yeah. being separated by the, the one-game state final. There, I think there will be discussion whether to move that and make that like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday thing and make it a Final Four if they want to try that. But I think there'll be it'll be thrown out there to try to make the Final Four in high school a real event. Well, that would be very interesting. Um I mean, but there's always, it seems like there's always griping and groaning no matter what the format is. It would require two school days out because you'd need to play four games. You couldn't play eight games in one day unless you played them in two different sites. But, uh, which wouldn't be a bad thing, but... Some I've, I saw this in uh, in Indianapolis. Kyle Needenrep uh, brought this yeah, up that maybe you, you could play. On Twitter about yeah, it. yeah. Uh, that, that maybe play two on thir- or four on Thursday, four on Friday, and your four championships on Saturday. But that would require the state giving up two full school days to go play basketball. I'm not sure that's going to fly. Well, maybe if we put in a good word to the principals <laughs> and do our homework, you know. Hey. We're going to say, hey, Bill Beck and Kyle Newman said we need to make this happen. So we'll start a petition of some we, sort. Hey, we'll see some it starts clout. right here on the Prep Report podcast. Again, folks, head to thefamvsn.com and rrsn.com and etruth.com. Etruth.com? Right? Elkartruth.com. Elkartruth.com. Yep. And at etruthsports yep. on Twitter, at thefamvsn on Twitter as well. And uh, speaking of Pete Smith winning the championship for Garen Catholic over Griffith on Saturday, a Mike Lightfoot uh, prodigy, should I say. And I was out at the house of Lightfoot, the house that Lightfoot built, should I say, at Bethel College on Monday uh, for the Michiana McDonald's All-Star Game. Bill, another great event. And, and folks, if you weren't out there, head to Twitter at the FanVSN. Check out all kinds of photos, videos, and interviews of players and Mike Lightfoot from the event. We've got a tons of multimedia coverage up there. But, Bill, this is one of my favorite events to cover. I mean, just everybody is there. I can just talk to anyone I want. You know, the, the Bethel College staff giving me Snickers and, and water <laughs> bottles. You know, it's just, it's a great community feel. Nice. It's it's Bethel College is uh, is an outstanding small school in it, in it that it actually almost feels like a great big high school. It's got that big high school kind of feel. Right. They are that kind of warm and welcoming kind of people. And it all starts with Mike Lightfoot. I mean, Mike Lightfoot, very few people can be the face of a university at this level. Mike Lightfoot is the face of Bethel College. And he'll always be the name really, and along with Homer Drew, as the names really truly associated with Bethel College. And I've covered this McDonald's game before. I think it's a great, it's a great event. Uh, kids can relax and play some basketball. They all know each other, anyways. Oh, yeah. It's fun for them to get together and and play. It, it's like behind it's the a, back passes, yeah. throwing down alley oops. It's playground. It's playground. Oh, it's sure. it's YMCA ball, and they're all having fun. And it's uh, you know you're going to see big scores. They're going to play lighthearted NBA style defense. They're going to play a little Olay, but they're having some fun. A lot and of bit of Olay. A lot of Olay. Well, Monday, just, yeah. They they know they know the gig, and, it, yeah. and it's girls and boys because the girls get into it too. And they know each other. You can tell they appreciate each other. Uh, they want to go and have fun. I think they get a kick. You know, I think teammates 
the the in basketball and football, any sport, you 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 enjoy the team that you wear your school colors with. But if you get a chance to play an entire game with the best players in the area, even for an hour and a half, that's really cool too. It's like no disrespect, but man, you put some of those guys on the floor together on one team, holy cow! Yeah. I mean. Well, would you like to make mixed and match and had a little fantasy draft and made those teams up yourself? Okay, I'll take Braxton Linville. You get Devin Kennedy. I'll take the Chiron Fox. I'll take Phillips Arachna. T- yeah, you I'll get Riyadri Lawrence. Like, Brady okay, Beckle. you know, holy cow. I mean, what kind of team and kind of fun that is. And I think it's just a great, great showcase for all these young athletes. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad absolutely. they enjoy it and they have fun with it. Well, I enjoy it and have fun with it, too, for sure. Again, folks, you can head to Twitter at the FanVSN and our SoundCloud at the fan VSM, we got a uh, playlist up 17 different interviews uh, with athletes who participated in the games, boys and girls. And I want you to also listen in to this chat I had with Mike Lightfoot on the community feel of the MMASG, his coaching tree, and much more. Take a listen in. And now, the Varsity Sports Network presents BSN Verbatim. All right, so I got to say, just uh, from a media perspective, this is like a dream event, you know, yeah. having all yeah. the area stars in one gym. Right. Um, how do you feel it's progressed, you know, since so the four or five years yeah, you've been doing it? Yeah, this is our right? fourth year, okay. and now our second year on the women's side, and it's really drawn a lot of attention. I think that the biggest part of it now is that uh, people that uh, – have been here maybe a year under like their junior year or you look at Devin Kennedy has been in here for two years yeah really wants to be in this you know he's had opportunities to play in other tournaments or other showcases and he said no I want to be in this one so when you get the area athletes just uh, to buy in and the area coaches that really enjoy it uh, and the credibility of it what we do at the hospital it just makes it uh, a fine event for everybody to showcase their talents yeah definitely and uh, you mentioned that kind of like hometown feel to yeah. it. Do you want to be walk that fine line between yeah. being too big an event and yeah. having that, those hometown crowds? Exactly. You want to have a situation where these people can come back and watch their uh, high school team, uh, high school players play maybe for the last time. For the last yeah. time, yeah. A lot you of these know, guys. you don't. You don't. Lots of times when it gets into a tournament, you don't think this could be the last time, and then when they everybody gets beat eventually, except yeah. for one team. So. You know, this gives them an opportunity to uh, come back and watch them play with maybe some other people that they've seen or heard about, yeah. but never been able to get out and watch. And so it's really great on the girls' side and on the boys' side to just see the, the, the parents and people come out and support these guys. And I know uh, you got a couple of potential recruits playing here tonight, Roger oh, yeah. Lawrence, uh, yes. amongst, among many others. Oh, yeah. Is that cool for you as a coach to see them in kind of this fun atmosphere yeah. here on your own court? Yeah, and you get to see them, you get to be around them, get to hang out with them, uh, you know, go to the hospital with them. You get to know them a little bit more, and they get to know us a little bit more, and I think it's been a, a great tool in that area. And then we have Paul Foreman playing in it tonight. There'll be a Bethel pilot next year. So all in all, it's just been a lot of fun to, yeah. to see these guys. And. Pat Doherty and I have talked a lot on our Prep Report podcast we do yeah. about your kind of coaching tree, and it seems like yeah. every time we're talking about a coach, it's, yeah. oh, this guy, you know, played for, for Lightfoot or yeah. coached with Lightfoot. Yes. Uh, how proud are you of that in terms of your uh, legacy? That's probably the, the biggest thing, that, you know, we have 43 guys out there coaching, and, you know, it just seems like I think 12 straight years now we've had somebody coaching for the state championship, and that's a Bethel grad. And wow. Pete, 
Pete Smith did it to this year okay. again with Garing Catholic. So we've just been able to get one after another. But then it's really fun to see. I see Kyle Amor out here, and he yeah. had a great run at John Glenn. And, you know, I'm looking at him seeing Brian Bechtel, and, and you know, he's been successful at Goshen. And just everybody. We've got so many great people yeah. that uh, played for me, and uh, th- that makes it fun to see them being successful and being able to impact their communities. Yeah, definitely. So 43 in the state of Indiana? 43 in the state of Indiana. High school varsity coaches. High school varsity, and, and some some junior some varsity. Okay, yeah. cool. So there's a lot. But there are a lot of them are right around here when I think of Washington and Elkhart Christian and Goshen yeah. and, you know, uh, LaVille, Michael Edison's had an incredible year. Yeah. And then you look, uh, you look down at... Uh, uh, Argus, Culver, all these guys have eventually, there's so many of them out there that uh, have been well. And then Kyle Sears did a great job at Elkhart Memorial yeah. this year. He's another one of our guys. And uh, Cherubusco had the best year in the school's history, and that's Mike McBride. So there's just a lot of them out there. Yeah, definitely. And do you think that considering the players here and the scouting that you do, whatnot, is Northern Indiana getting stronger in terms of basketball talent? Uh, I think we've always kind of been a, a hotbed for outstanding talent and uh the, the challenge is for me to keep them close to home and not venture yeah. off to somewhere else uh, but i think there's really uh three hotbeds south bend fort wayne and then the indy area and those are the three areas that uh get a lot of attention from uh, kids that are thinking about playing college basketball in indiana yeah, thanks coach hey, thank you Appreciate thank it. you thanks for coming again that was bethel head coach mike lightfoot who Bill, if you can verify this, is the winningest college basketball coach in, in Indiana, right? I believe so, yes. At, at I, any level. The, the guy is absolutely... Over 700, well over 700. I know he got 700 last season. And he's Just it, what he's done. National titles. Yeah, yeah. It, Bethel's, you know, synonymous with legend, NAIA, legend. too. Yeah, yeah. It just a legend upon legend. He is, he, is, he is a wonderful man. He's a community guy, and he, he, he represents the school well, and the school represents itself well because of him. Absolutely. And Anthony Anderson also had a nice little uh, article recap of the game, too, on ElkhartTruth.com. You can check that out at E-Truth Sports. I think Phillips Rock had just scored on another dunk, just now. Just, just now scored they, on they, another dunk. They, mis- they misprinted his, his <laughs> score, is that right? Yeah, they, okay. they, they shorted him a bucket. Well, but He's still over, there. He's still over there at Goodman, or at the gym scoring. God, at White 45, Camp. I know. man. Even in an exhibition game, I, I mean, he just came on, the first time he came onto the floor, Got the ball, fired up a three, swoosh. Was he boom. was he on the floor? Was he actually inbounds when he shot it? He he was inbounds. Okay, but he, he was several he, feet behind the line. Okay, just he, not he, he didn't shoot directly from the bench though, right? Okay, no, okay, no, just no. wanted to make sure. But, the, yeah, he, this was perfect game for him. Anthony said all he did was hit threes and dunks. Yeah, nothing in between threes and dunks. Yeah, we got a couple of good photos of, of him dunking up on the fan center where you can check that out. Yeah, just a great a photographer's dream this game because I even had. Devin Kennedy gets the ball on one of these breakaways. We make eye contact. I'm on the baseline. I know he's going up. You know, just there you go. That's you go. that's gold. That's yeah. golden stuff. MMASG, the Golden Arches. Thank you for sponsoring that game. Very very excellent contest. Again, this is the FanBSN.com Prep Report podcast. So final topic of the show: softball and. uh Lots of good teams around this area. Right now, we got an NIC preview up on the fanbsn.com called Diamonds in the NIC Rough, running down all the top NIC teams. But let's start off talking some Elkhart County teams, Bill. What do you know? Who's good? I mean, I know Concord, Wawasee had some pretty good campaigns last year, and Concord sectional champions, right? Yeah, Concord came came out of, I think they, 
they weren't expected to be the winner. I think Northridge went to that sectional last year, oh, expecting upset, to be Northridge, the champion, right. upset them in the championship oh, game. Odell squad. Uh, they've got a great pitcher in Rayanne Miller, uh, who's really a great. She's turned into a great hitter as well, but she's an outstanding player. Concord go a long way locally in four uh, A softball, but the NLC between Wawasee. Concord, and I think Northwood. This will be a breakout year for Northwood um, to be at the top of the NLC and to be in the hunt this year. They've got it. They lost, I think, graduated just two seniors last year off a team. Everybody's back. They've really solid at pitching. Uh, I can see them being very competitive in the NLC. Obviously, Concord's going to have some uh, something to say about it with a leader like that. If you got one arm, you know that. If you just get enough offense, you get yeah. a couple runs, you need two or three runs, you got a great pitcher, you can win um, games. And Wawasee may be the most loaded team top to bottom in the NLC with the pitching staff, and it's all young. They're freshmen and sophomores who are going to be their lead guns on the mound this year. Warriors have it going down there, and I watched a lot of them in their summer program. They've got a sophomore pitcher who is a real deal. She's about five foot eleven, who can just flat hum it yeah, and move it around. Uh, uh, and they're a team to be reckoned with in the NLC. Um, Jimtown, the NIC well, is a lot. They were sectional champions last year. They too. were sectional champs Jared as Kipper well. His, yep. uh, Nipper, excuse me, in yep. his first season. Good group. They got and a lot. Most of those kids are back. Uh, that's eight a, returning ladder winners. Yep. They're outstanding group. I mean, this is a, this is a renaissance for Wawasee softball. They've never really been good in softball. Really, Northwood hasn't been either. Uh, years past, the, the leaders in NLC softball were Warsaw and uh, Elkhart Memorial. Uh, and the Northridge came along for a while and really dominated that that league for a number of years with Bo Odell. Now I think now I think the Northern Lakes Conference as a whole has collectively come down to mitten leveled off and is going to be more competitive top to bottom than ever. Yeah, and again, folks, you can head to the Elkartruth.com, Elkartruth.com to check out Steve Cruz softball preview of Elkhart area teams, Concord Wawasee coming off sectional crowns last year. And Concord, Northridge, Fairfield, and Wawasee all putting together 20-win seasons uh, last year. So it'll be interesting to see if they can ride that momentum into this year's campaign. And, of course, on the FanVSN.com, we have our NIC season preview, Diamonds in the NIC Rough. And when you look at this conference, Marion, NIC champions last year with a 7-1 record. Uh, they have lost their top pitcher, Brooke Stoltz, to Tommy John surgery this year. So... Uh, they're going to be looking to a couple seniors and Shannon McCarty and Jamie Dennon to step up and, and fill those roles. So, uh, you know, good luck to Brooke Stoltz and her rehab process. Hate to see a young arm go down like that. I saw her pitch last last year in the sectional semi against St. Joe, and she's a she's a very special talent. So hope, hopefully she'll get back out on the diamond soon. Uh, also, St. Joe, they were sectional and regional champions last year, went 6-2 and two in conference. Penn sectional and regional champions last year. Uh, Riley, they're going to be up towards the top of the heap. Clay, and then really, even with all the other teams that were towards the bottom of the heap last year, Mishawaka, Adams, Elkhart, Central, Washington, this is a grind of a schedule when you look at it, Bill. Yeah, I, I think when you start with talking about quality, you know, we talked about the NLC being more balanced. I think they're going to be more balanced and closer together, tightly packed. What you have in the NIC is a bigger lot of quality teams, starting with Penn. Penn's the top of the mark this year. They are, like you said, they are loaded. They, they are. This is a team that is kind of set up maybe for another long tournament run. Yeah. They haven't had one for a while. This could be one of those teams. But you look at, like you said, each week in the NIC, 
It's a Marion. You got to turn around. There's a Washington or a, um, um, uh, St. Joe is out there. I think Mishawaka and Coach Brian Miller is going to be better this year. Riley has been very competitive the last couple of years, and they're not an easy out. So night in and night out in the NIC, nothing's going to be easy for the Penn Kingsmen. But I like the way they play. They play a great brand of softball. They really like to play the full game, a lot of speed game. They play great defense. They've always played great defense. It's been kind of one of their fortes, and they've always had the pitcher. They always had the, the gun who could really pitch and throw maybe multiple arms on that team. So, But I think if you want to see some entertaining softball, night in and night out, probably go find an NIC game. Yeah, definitely. Beth Zachary has her team on lock, a great coach, as, I mean, many great coaches in the NIC. And as you mentioned, I mean, it all starts in the circle for, for any softball team. You need that ace, especially if you're going to make a deep postseason run. And Beth Zachary said she's going to look to Danielle Watson, just a sophomore. Uh, she's bound to the University of Louisville, already committed there. 340 batting average, 101 Ks in 75 innings last year, 1.21 ERA. Uh, very, very talented. And then they got a ton of talent in the field, too. I mean, Haley Hicksonbaugh is going to Boston College. Madeline Newman. She batted 479 last year. She's also a Louisville commit. Uh, Monica Smith, Addison Pixley, 12 returning lettermen for this team. They're loaded <laughs> top they, to bottom. Yeah, that's they're they're going to be very 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 tough to beat in that league. But but like I said, you get a hot pitcher in uh, any night, and you you get a little you know cold with the bats one night. Anything can happen. I mean, softball, especially in the postseason. Especially in the postseason, you get down toward the end of the year. You get down toward the end of May, Kyle, and. You know, all of a sudden, those games that were seven one, eight one, now those games are three two and four three, and there's the margin of error becomes very slim because the pressure to win championships is very slim, and the pace of spring sports around here, as you've seen, it's a it's a whirlwind. It starts like right <laughs> now, and it's nonstop through the mid May. You really, yeah. it's a, it's it's three months of a season crammed into about six or seven weeks, and there's a lot of pressure. You don't get much time to practice now. Your practice time, for the most part is pretty much done unless you get a rain day. I mean, you can go inside and hit around in a cage, but you're constantly playing, playing, and playing. And once the rain starts, then you're playing and you're making up games on your, your supposed off days. Time to practice in all these spring sports becomes very limited. Yeah, it's definitely a grind. Got to fight through those hills and valleys. And when it comes down to the postseason, I mean, that's when it counts most. You look at this conference landscape, St. Saint Joe is a team that has gotten it done in the postseason, uh, just the senior class. I mean, they've been to semi-state all three years coming into this season, and they've beaten number one ranked Marion each time in the sectional to do it, including last year in the se- in the sectional semifinal. Um, they had their ace back in the circle in senior a- Anna Iron. She was first team all NIC last year, and seven seniors deep starting lineup headlined by senior shortstop Kelly Welsh headed to Wisconsin. Yeah. So, uh, just, how many times can you come into the tournament number one and not lose your, or not win your sectional? Yeah. I mean, that'd be Marion's got to be kicking itself. I well, mean, because well, that's been their tournament to win the last couple of years. You'd think. You'd think. And Marion coach George Grenard said just as much when I talked to him for the preview. I mean, there's definitely a, a chip on this team's shoulder, um, and and they got a lot of weapons back. As I mentioned, I mean, they have five senior starters, and, and Kelsey Kyleman, 2001st team. All NIC outfield is one of those players who who's who he's going to look to to catalyze them. But yeah, it's I think I mean St. Joe and Marion again in the same sectional. I'm sure we're going to see another showdown 
just like we did last year. That's a great tournament they run every year down there at Newton Park in LaVille for that 3A tournament. So I would, if, if you get a chance there in May, you want to go down and see a really good tournament. The 3A sectional that St. Joe is the host of down there is a quality, quality softball tournament in these areas. Yeah, and speaking of St. Joe, I caught up with head coach Earl Keith uh, to talk about the upcoming season and to talk about his loaded roster and what his team's going to have to do in order to continue to execute and win postseason ball games, especially. Listen in. And now, the Varsity Sports Network presents BSN Verbatim. Well, I think uh, for, for this year, we should have uh, we should have some confidence going into it because we uh, you know we had a lot of success last year. We got to the final eight, um, and I did. We didn't have one senior, um, so we didn't graduate anybody. So we've got eight of those eight eight girls back this year that are seniors, but we even have a few young girls. Uh, sprinkled in, and I've probably got one of my strongest freshman classes coming in that aren't hardly going to be able to sniff any varsity time yet, but they'll, they'll be there for the future. We've got a lot of talent coming back, um, and, and again, we should have we should have some confidence from what we've been able to do, uh, because these, uh, these girls that are seniors this year as freshmen, we've been able to get to the semi-state all three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were lucky enough to beat Marion in the sectional all three years when they were ranked number one. So uh, we should we should have some confidence, but you know they we can't just walk out there and, and expect to win. And they have been working hard over the winter, so it, it looks like we've got good things ahead. Again, that was Earl Keith, St. Joe head coach for softball. Uh, they are loaded, as I said, lots of talent coming back, and just. Lots of talent overall, and it's going to come down to those close games. I mean, you look at Clay last year. They were 6-2 and two in conference, so towards the top of the heap, they lost two 1-0 ball games. So they were two 1-0 ball games, and one of those 1-0 ball games was to Marion, away from winning the conference title. I mean, that's how close it's going to be towards the top. And I saw Clay two years ago, and they were very young. A lot of freshmen and sophomore, a young coach, and to hear about now, and I do, I do softball umpiring, so I got a kind of a double way to see these teams, not, not only as a as a uh, journalist, but because I umpire fast pitch softball oh. in the spring when I'm when I'm you know, I'm not watching my own kid play, but uh, I get to see these teams on the field that way too. And I saw this clay team a couple years ago, and the umpire that I was working with that day, we thought the same thing. Two years ago, we thought you know if this team stays together, they could be pretty good. And so last year, what'd they do? You just rattled off their stats. They grew that much in a year yeah. to be in the hunt for the NIC championship. To get six wins and finish 6-2 and two in that league, that's a remarkable jump from where they were just two or three years ago. And a lot of teams in the conference very senior-laden this year. That's not the case for Clay. Just one senior, but the good news for Colonial fans is that shortstop Veronica Rodriguez is an absolute all-star. Uh, first-team All-State, first-team All-NIC last year. Um, but b- beyond that, head coach Katie Rodriguez is really relying on that confidence, you know, that that knowing that you can hang with any team, no matter their ranking, to really carry them through the season. I mean, and having that mindset is almost as as important as having a stacked lineup, Bill. It's almost strange too if you look at the if you look at all these teams: the NLC, the NIC, St. Joe County, Oakhart County, Marshall, Kosciuszko. There aren't really a lot of senior heavy teams. There's a lot of junior and sophomore heavy teams, but the teams, uh, maybe other than Penn, Penn's going to always have a lot of seniors. 
Washington but, does, Elkhart Central does. A lot yeah, of seniors, but, but, but for, as a whole, of, collectively, yeah. it's not a senior. It's not. There's not a lot of great great teams led by lots of seniors. Right. They're really dominated by underclassmen right now. Again, this is the FanVSN.com Prep Report podcast. That'll just about do it for today's show. Again, head on to the FanVSN.com to read the NIC softball preview, the feature on the Homestead Spartans championship. Also, my thank you Northern Indiana column and ElkhartTruth.com and at E-Truth Sports is also a great destination for all your local sports needs. Uh, and uh, Personally, on my end, I'm going to have a couple great features coming out here in the next few days. One on Washington catcher Soli Garcia, who's really the heart and soul of the Lady Panthers softball team. And then uh, maybe one on Nick Floyd, the Jimtown ace headed to Ball State. You don't see a lot of D1 talent on the mound around here like him. So we're going to be talking to Nick Floyd, getting to know that guy and that story a little more. Bill, any uh, sneak peeks? Coming up, uh, I'm got more of a profile on the new head football coach at Concord, Ooh, uh, Craig, his... K- Craig Kaler, who's okay. been an assistant for the last 12 years for under Tim Dawson. I had a story about him being announced uh, earlier this week, but I kind of take a deeper look into him, and I'll, that'll be coming out uh, probably early next week. Awesome. Again, folks, thanks for tuning on to FanVSN.com, RRSN.com, and ElkhartTruth.com. I am FanVSN.com editor Kyle Newman signing off for myself and Elkhart Truth editor Bill Beck. Till next week, take it easy, folks.